0: all right come on how we doing everybody we having a good morning you feeling good i think I, there we go man i'm so excited to be with y'all and dive into our first week of summer at true life this is a kind of a fun series i, I really like it because it's more of a season than a series so there's not a theme to this series there's not a, a passage of scripture that we're going to come back to each week we're going to kind of just talk about what God has put in our hearts uh, for that specific weekend. And so I'm excited to dive into it this morning. Also excited for those of you here joining us for the first time, as well as those who are doing church still on the other side of the camera, they're joining us online, wherever you are. And uh, so would you help me just say hello to everybody who's on the other side of the cameras this morning? We're glad you guys are here. Glad you're doing church with us. I do want to remind you, it's already in church news, that Serve Day is right around the corner, July 10th. We'll start here at the church at 8 a.m. truelife.church forward slash serve team is where you can sign up to participate in that day and we will find a way for everyone to participate. And I just think we need a few times every year where we drop everything and go serve people, be the hands and feet of Jesus, no strings attached. Can I hear an amen? And that's what Serve Day is really all about. It's creating an opportunity for you to do that and then some of you are gonna fall in love with it. And if that happens, you should jump into our serve groups, our serve groups um, and uh, so, let me get into the message, because I've got a lot, I've got a lot of content that I've got to try to share with you today. It's my last time speaking to you before I do a little bit of traveling, and so, uh, so I gotta make sure I get it all out, right? So I'm not wishing I had gotten it out to you uh, while traveling, and um, last weekend, I had the opportunity to do something really amazing. All of our staff did. Uh, we had, for the first time ever in our church, a, a little event that we called Meet the Leaders, and there's about 20 people who gathered in a room uh, with us, it was all families who are new to True Life have started attending over the last year or less. And so we've been uh, just had an opportunity just to kind of get to know them and answer questions and hang out. Uh, and, and really, there were several times where my wife and I, uh, later, we were like, man, I, could, I almost couldn't keep myself together emotionally, just brought to tears hearing the stories of these families and these people who who've started attending True Life over the last 6 to 12 months and Some of them even less than that and just what God is doing in their life and how God brought them here and it really was just incredible and so I want to say to all of you who are helping us create an environment that's so welcoming and helping move people toward Jesus and all of our dream team thank you for the excellent job that you're doing and just heard great stories like I heard one guy say like uh, you know we're trying to figure out which church was for us and then Somebody chased me down in the parking lot to hold an umbrella over my head in the rain. And like that was the thing for me. Like that did it. Like I was just like, come on, that's, that's fantastic. But um, my time together, our time together with those families last weekend really sparked something in me uh, that has led to what I'm going to share with you this morning. Because as we went around the room, there was a, this, just this great mix of demographics but I would say probably about 70% of the participants are families with children. And one of the consistent things we heard was, I, we gotta find the right, we gotta pl- find a place for our kids. We need our kids to fall in love with Jesus. We need our kids to, to love being around God's people. We need our kids to love the church, children and teenagers. Come on somebody, I think that's a good, and I just wanna say, if, the, if you're a parent and that's what you're doing right now, and you're trying to find the right fit church-wise so that your kids will serve Jesus, I commend you for that. Good choice, you're being wise. I hope true life is the winner, but man, you're doing the right thing by finding a place where your kids will fall in love with Jesus. Can I get a good amen this morning? Like, that's a good choice. That's a good decision. In fact, yeah, a little honor for those parents. I mean, I think that's just an awesome, awesome thing. And I care a lot about uh, young people. I care a lot about children and students because I have have some, uh, so that's part of it. But uh, what you may not know is Amanda and I spent the first half of our marriage in ministry to young people. We were youth pastors. We hung out with teenagers. In fact, the reason we fell in love with this region, and this is where we planted True Life, is we spent the first four years youth pastoring at a church right over here in Cecil County and started with 13 teenagers and saw that grow to over 160 teenagers who would come to our youth services every week. We'd send buses out and pick them up, and and God just did really cool things. and. Uh, in, really in spite of me, because I was a young, dumb leader, and God just moved anyway. Come on, how I many know God just does what God wants to do? Um, and and um, so it was just awesome to get to be a part of that, but that was where God planted the seed in our hearts for this region, to live here, and 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 eventually we would come back here to plant True Life Church. And so hearing all those families talk about their kids and their families reminded me of some things that really we talked about uh, all, almost two years ago, back in 2019, I shared a message that's very similar to what I'm going to share with you today. And what I got to thinking about was because of COVID, because of the pandemic, I thought, do I remember anything from 2019? And the answer was, not really, no. Come on, any of you, can I mean, are you the same, anybody the same way? You're like, I don't remember anything pre-COVID. Anybody else in that boat, right? So uh, that, that was kind of where I was at and, and so I thought, this is so important to who we are as a church. I need to, I need to get this in front of our church again. In fact, I, I probably owe it to you to teach what I'm gonna teach today in some form at least once a year. Um, and just to talk about our families and talk about the, the next generation. And, and if you're in a season of life right now where you don't have kids or you don't have grandkids or you don't have nieces and nephews, you don't have the next generation in your life, I'm just gonna ask you, don't check out On this message because at some point you will have an opportunity to make an investment in a future generation and you need to be ready to respond say amen if you're with me this morning all right so I need everybody all in I need your full heart I need your full attention in fact I'm gonna pray right now because I need God's help to say some of the things that I need to say right now so would you join me Heavenly Father we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to go into your word to hear your heart for us to hear your heart towards children and students and teenagers and young adults. Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate your word today in a way that is life-giving and that moves people toward you. And um, that it would, that would spur us on, God, that it would inspire us to make an investment in a future generation. I, I pray for your anointing on my words and over our time together in Jesus' name, amen 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 all right so that meet the leaders thing was awesome and I want to tell you we've because it was so good we've decided to do at least one more that's how we do things around here We're like that was good let's do it again we're not gonna make it a thing until we're sure it's good every time Uh, so I think we're planning the next one of those for August you'll get more details about that as we get closer Um, I, I am I'm super concerned as a parent I have a child who's 13 and I have one who's eight and uh, some of the conversations we have after a school day, they're both in public school right now. And some of the conversations I've had with our leadership here who are ministering to kids on Sundays and teenagers on Sunday nights, the issues that kids are facing, the choices that our society is putting in front of them and saying, hey, at 10, 11, 12 years old, make this choice. Honestly makes me sick to my stomach. Because you know what you should be thinking about at that age? You should be thinking about being a kid. So I'm going to do two things today. That's four. I'm going to do two things today. Uh, I want you to hear our strategy, our heart as a church, for how we're going to minister to children and to teenagers. And then I want to give you a strategy that you can use, no matter what season of life you're in, parents or not, that you can use to help us to come alongside that. Deal? All right, so that's what we're gonna do this morning. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14. Uh, Nehemiah is in a situation that I don't think is really all that different from today. Uh, Israel has been under Babylonian captivity, they've been in exile, and Nehemiah has a chance to lead the people back to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, rebuild the culture, lead people back to the heart of God. It's re- he really has an opportunity to steward this kind of revival for the nation of Israel. It's a pretty awesome thing. And Nehemiah did what I kind of feel like we need to do this morning, and that is kind of look things over. Like, let's look over our culture. Let's look over our nation. Let's look over our society. Let's kind of get a lay of the land. Let's kind of figure out what's going on around us. We, we talked about this a little bit last week, right? Like, having these moments lately where I'm like, what in the world is happening? What is what's going on? Like, there's just a lot of those kind of moments in our society right now. And he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, hey, y'all don't be afraid. Hey, true life, I know the world's crazy. I know that it feels like there's increasingly more tension between what the Word of God says is true and what society says is true. I realize the gap between those things continues to feel like it gets bigger and bigger. And I I know for us that presents a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions, and and I just wanna tell you, no matter how crazy the world gets, God is still on the throne, don't be afraid. Oh, come on, y'all. Hospitality, I'm gonna need you to start brewing like extra, extra strong coffee, all right? Come on, no matter how crazy society is, we serve Jesus and we don't need to be afraid, amen. Okay, thank you, all right, there we go. I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told the early service, if y'all don't get with me, I will just preach longer, all right, so I'm gonna preach until you get this. And I, I wanna tell you there are moments today I'm gonna be pretty direct and pretty forceful, because I feel like one of my responsibilities as the senior pastor of the church is at times to say, hey, this is where God's taking us. we got to go there. You can come with if you want, but we're going there. You all with me? All right, so he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and he is, isn't he? And everybody say this next, these next few words with me, and fight for your family. Come on, we're going to say it again, and fight for your family. Families, doesn't it even just the word fight? Doesn't that make you just be like, I just want to bow up a little bit? I don't have very many muscles, but I am flexing what I got. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're flexing underneath there somewhere. Like, come on, yeah, we don't do that. Like, in fact, I, I'm really concerned that for a lot of people who, who are followers of Jesus, we've kind of fallen into this trap of like, Well, just don't want to offend anybody, you know. I mean, what's more offensive than like, hey, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you spend eternity separated from him and it ain't a good place. Like that's, if it's all about you, that's offensive and there's no way around it. That's why the Bible says the gospel is actually offensive. Are you all tracking with me this morning? So I'm concerned that we don't fight we're very passive we even treat church sometimes like this consumer event this thing that we participate in and we can even go rate it on Google like we can go rate the body of Christ on Google can you imagine like on your wedding day giving your bride a star rating like that's what we do to the body of Christ now y'all y'all tracking with me this morning so we're like this is this passive and we don't fight you don't fight and then I'm gonna take this next passage of scripture here and I'm gonna say some hard things that I've really, in nine years in our church, I don't know that I've really said them as direct as I'm gonna say them right now. And I wanna pause and just say, I'm doing this at great risk. Because I realize this might alienate some of you, this might cause hurt feelings, and I need you to know this is not not my intention, it's not my heart. In fact, I wanna say right up front, you have permission to completely disagree with me and you can still come to church here, okay? But Nehemiah says, fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters. And I want you to notice, he only gives two categories for the kids. Sons and daughters. Your wives and your homes. And so, traditionally our strategy has been, as these issues continue to permeate our society and our culture, our strategy has been like, hey, Sunday morning's not the best place for us to approach these topics. Let's have closed-door conversations with people as needed, which has happened, and we're more than happy to do, but the, the, the problem that I think is happening in the church now is out of that strategy has come a lack of clarity about what the church actually believes about things so today what i need to do is in a very succinct way and i realize i'm going to take a couple of extremely complex issues and oversimplify them but i am going to give you clarity about what true life church believes you're allowed to disagree and it might spark for you like hey i need to understand that a little more i need to have some more conversations about that and i would love to do that with you our team would love to have those conversations with you And I need you to know that if we have conversations with you about disagreements, our heart is never to fix you. At True Life Church, we don't fix people. Jesus fixes people. We just get people to Jesus. Jesus fixes people. Amen? Amen? That's our job. All right, so so this is going to be real direct. It's not my heart to hurt anybody. I, I realize you might disagree. But here's the bottom line. Mommies and daddies have sons and daughters. Sons and daughters grow up to become mommies and daddies. And some of the conversations that I'm hearing some of our students having to have and decisions they're having to make about themselves hurts my heart. Because you shouldn't even have to go there, you should just get to be a kid you should just get to be a kid and so for the sake of clarity so nobody's questioning where true life church stands we wholeheartedly believe in what I would call a traditional interpretation a traditional theology on gender and sexuality sons and daughters boys and girls grow up to become mommies and daddies to give birth to sons and daughters Now I realize for some of you, you instantly are like, "Uh, but that doesn't jive with my reality." And I, I've I have never had to process through that. I don't know what that's like. I want to be very clear. I personally have never had to wrestle with that tension in my life. I can't imagine, and I would never try to pretend to know what that's like. What I do know is what the Bible says. And I would love to do anything that I possibly can and our church would love to do anything that we possibly can to help people reconcile what they're feeling about themselves and what the Bible says. Okay, fair? I can't give a whole Sunday to that today, but I feel like it's my job to give you clarity so you know exactly where the church stands. I feel like it would be incredibly unfair for somebody to spend three, four, five years going to a church and then all of a sudden find out we're not on the same page. And we, listen, we have people who call True Life home who disagree with us on this and a range of issues. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ when it's healthy. Come on, y'all. Is we can, we can focus on the, the most important things. But as a parent, as somebody who's watching what's going on in society, as someone who's responsible for the ministry that takes place to your kids here, I need you to know, sons and daughters grow up to be mommies and daddies. And, and moms, At True Life Church, it's always going to be Mother's Day. It's never going to be Birthing People Day. You're going to be moms here. You all tracking with me this morning? That's not a political thing. It's really not. And that's why I don't even like talking about these kinds of issues because I feel like we could unintentionally pull our church out of our lane. And our lane is getting people to Jesus and we end up in a political lane. This is not a political thing. The only time I will talk about these issues is when they are so abhorrent against the, what the Bible says that I have to to make sure you're not getting confused by the society that you live in. Is that fair? Are we on track? Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about where a lot of issues are happening and a lot of confusion exists. There's a group of people on planet Earth right now called Generation Z. They were born between 1995 in 2015, they're currently age six to 26. So this is near and dear to my heart because I have two—one that's eight and one that's 13. Gen Z—they—they uh, they make up there's 74 million of them on the planet right now. Try to wrap your head around that number. Let me let me help you this way. It's one in four people is a Gen Zer right now. One in one in four people on the planet is Gen Zer. How many think that's a significant percentage of our population? That's, that's, like, we ought to be thinking about this. And there's some interesting things about Gen Z from some research we, we got access to from a group called the Barna Group a couple years ago. And I'm sure some of these things have, have changed a little bit, especially in light of COVID. But there's, so there's 74 million of them. One in four people on the planet is from this generation. Uh, on average, a, a Gen Zer will spend a minimum of four hours in front of a screen every day. Like, At least, for, I bet if we were to redo this survey now, post-COVID, it's probably higher, right? Because you couldn't do anything, and everything fun was dangerous. Sorry, I stepped out of the lane for a second there. I'm sorry. Just reel it back in. I'm sorry. So so everybody's, I, I bet it was more. Gen Z's probably more than four hours a day on a screen. Here's what's interesting. Gen Z is the... Is digitally the most connected generation in the history of humanity and yet they are reporting higher incidents of loneliness isolation depression and anxiety than in the history of humankind so seemingly more connected than ever through this lie that exists called social media when it's actually not it creates this lie that you're going to be able to get some form of community. And we all know what it actually does is it destroys community. Come on, you all tracking with me. It's like saying some of the things today I had to, I had to process through like, are you okay with getting canceled? Because that might happen if you say this stuff. And then I thought, I've pretty much already canceled myself as far as social media goes. So have at it. Cancel away. So, so they, 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 there's this lie that we're connected when we're really not connected the most isolated, depressed generation. Here's here's the most concerning parts of this for me as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, is two-thirds of them say, I don't have any plans of continuing to be. So some of them are growing up in church right now, and so they are going because their parents take them. But two-thirds of them are saying, like, I don't have any plans of continuing that once I'm no longer living at home with my Family, like two-thirds of Gen Z say, I'm really not interested in the church, in the local church. I don't really feel like I need that. Uh, Only 3% of them have actively participated in any kind of reading their Bible. Which makes me think, well, of of course you don't know what the truth is then. How could you know truth if you don't have any source of truth? Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? Like only 3% know the Bible. Here's what's interesting about the Gen Z generation. So like, I'm Gen X, right? I was right on the line of Gen X millennial. Uh, you got, you got your, your baby boomers, Gen X, millennials. Um, I, I just wanna stop and say something real quick. We believe in honor in our church, so you're never gonna hear the phrase, okay, boomer, around here. Um, I hate that. I hate it. I hate generational culture wars. I think it's ridiculous. We're supposed to bring honor in every direction. So I'm thankful for those who are older than me, and I'm thankful for those who are at my peer level, and I'm thankful for those that are younger than me. Thankful for all of them. And all of them are broken in some way. Like, boomers know how to work hard. Come on, can I hear an amen? Like, they know how to work. May work too much. Worked so much, they invented a whole new industry called therapy. You know what I'm saying? Like, thankful, thankful for the boomers. <laughs> I read an article the other day that Millennials and Gen Z, like there's some sort of online tug of war now between these. And I just think, that just to me, I just see the enemy in that. I see the devil in that. We should be thankful for each other. I got got to speed up. I got to speed up. What Gen Zers are saying is like, so so Gen X and Millennials, we were very information heavy. Um, In fact, we invented a whole thing called fact checkers, right? Gen Z is very much like, I don't really care about your facts. I just want to have a relationship with somebody because I'm the most disconnected generation in the history of humanity. Can we just hang out? Can you just show some interest in me? Can I just get to know somebody? That's, that's Gen Z right now, which I think is a beautiful opportunity for the church. Because if you're looking for a relationship, I know the best person you could ever have one with. All right, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. You want to be connected. I'll help you get connected. So I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with those statistics about Gen Z. And I'm kind of drawing a line in the sand again today. I did it two years ago, but then we all forgot. So I'm doing it again. In fact, I'm gonna introduce a new phrase today that is gonna become one of the banners we carry at True Life Church. We've talked about it in some of our staff meetings and behind closed doors, but today I want to put it out in front of you. And I just want to say, From this day forward, if you call true life home, this is an expectation that you're on board with this idea, and that is that every generation is for the next generation. Every generation is for the next generation. I don't exist for me. I exist for what's coming next. And I need you all to know, I am far more invested in the future than I am what has already been. I thought you all would be more excited about that come on y'all every generation for the next generation can you can we get on board with that today can we make a decision that that's who we are it's interesting when you study the life of Jesus um, you see him like in the temple then like there's this big gap until his his public ministry his adult ministry begins there's really only one scripture that tells us about Jesus, his adolescent years, his teenage years, just one scripture that gives us any idea what's going on there. But I think it's enough, like it's incredibly valuable. In fact, if if you get nothing else out of today, you can take the scripture I'm about to share with you and you can build your own, your whole life personal growth plan out of the scripture. I think parents, families should use this as a model. And this scripture is the model we use for how we want to minister to the next generation as a church. Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus grew in, everybody say it, wisdom and, and in favor with, and favor with, all right, let me do it again. Grew in what? Wisdom and in, in favor with, and favor with, Yep. Yeah. So there's these four things that, that get accomplished in Jesus' life during his adolescent years. He grows in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Let me give them to you quickly. I think this is a perfect growth plan for you. It's a perfect growth plan for your kids or any kids in your world that you hang around with. And when we think about as a church, how are we gonna minister to the next generation? We think it's our job to try to create environments where they grow in wisdom and stature, favor with God, favor with man. Here's wisdom, it represents the intellectual. The intellectual. So it's, it's learning God's word, knowing what the Bible says, Knowing what truth is. Y'all tracking with me this morning, all right? But can I just stop for a second too and say this? I realize some of you already raised your kids or you're in a season, different season of life, and hearing a message like today, the enemy would love to use it and say, well, if only you'd have done that. Or if only you'd have done that, and if only you'd have done that. And I just want to say to you today, that's malarkey, all right? It's about from this day forward, how God uses you to invest in the next generation. So we're not looking into the past. We're not beating ourselves up. In fact, that burden you feel for your kids, I guarantee you Jesus carries it more heavily than you do. As much as you love them, he loves them more. Okay, you with me? So don't get get weighed down by a burden that Jesus is gonna carry anyway, but we're gonna do the best we can from this day forward to create the right environments for the next generation to grow in wisdom, intellectually. They need to know the word of God. They need to know what's in his word. They, we want them to have a love for God's word. Why? Because that helps us guard our minds. And you got to do this. Because it's constantly being pelted with stuff. All kinds of stuff. So we got to guard it. I've got I to have the word hidden in my heart so that I can know truth from a lie. Light from dark. Come on, y'all tracking with me this morning. So I gotta get into God's word. I need to be taught God's word. I need to grow in a love for God's word. I need to memorize God's word. And it's a never ending process. I need to continue to grow in wisdom so I can guard my mind. Then he says grow in stature. That obviously represents uh, the, the physical growth that Jesus had, but, but it's more than that. Jesus, he, he grew up in how to, how to carry himself. I would, I would say it to you this way. It's about developing our disciplines. It's about developing our disciplines. So out of the four, if there's one that I am not the best at, it's probably this one. You probably have one too. It's probably this one. Like my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes I'm like, sorry, Holy Spirit, I need to clean up your house. It's not great, no, I'm sorry. Because so, all of us have our thing, can I hear an amen? But we all need to develop our disciplines, like, Get your kids to church. That needs to be a discipline. Get here regularly. Don't roll out of bed and be like, you know what? I just sweatpants and there's church online. Kids, go play your video games. No. Develop those disciplines. Develop those disciplines. Develop those disciplines. Thank God for my grandma, who even when our family was not being real consistent in church, like I'm just telling you, if the doors were open, she was there. She was there. Why, do we serve and worship the church? No, it's just the place where we can develop healthy spiritual disciplines, where we can get in community with. So one of the disciplines was to be with God's people anytime there was a chance to be with God's people. It's a good plan, can I hear an amen this morning? All right, he grew in favor with God, so there's spiritual growth, there's spiritual development. I I think for you that means figure out what you're supposed to do. Figure out what God wants you to do with your life and then go do it grow in that obedience grow in favor with God and then he grew in favor with man that's that's a social growth which means we need to work on how how we choose our friends we need to choose the right relationships and so uh, if you're a parent or a guardian right now I want to tell you something that society is not telling you you have every right and a responsibility to help your kids choose their friends my son is eight and society would say he can make some pretty big decisions, and I would say, no, he won't. Because at eight years old, little buddy, I know you better than you know yourself. And so I just tell him, Nope, you're not gonna be friends with that kid. You can love him, invite him to church. But no, we ain't hanging out. They ain't coming to your parties. I walked in the other day, he's playing Fortnite. And I hear him talking, I said, hey, who are you playing with? He said, oh, I'm playing with friends of so-and-so. And I said, hey, do I know them? He goes, no. I said, okay, bud, you got to, I love you, but I want you playing with kids that I know. You got to play with kids that I know. Because I just, I just don't know. And I wasn't mean, I wasn't a dictator. I just, I just want you playing with kids that I know so that I know the things that you're hearing and the choices those kids are making and reinforce the things we believe as a family. So I want you to play with kids that I know, Okay okay dad I I help them I help them choose come on can I get an amen today help them choose because I've said it a million times I'll say it again show me your friends I'll show you your future show me your friends I'll show you your future All right. so now let me give you our strategy as a church so if you're a kids life team member this will be a good refresher for you this is like from from we're, my role in the church is the senior pastor, the lead pastor. This is the mandate that I have given to Whitney, our director. She's director. She's having a, a much-deserved day off today, um, taking some vacation time. But she's a fantastic leader, and so is the rest of our kids' life and Next Gen's teams. They're, y'all have some incredible people who have made it a priority to invest in your kids here at, at True Life. I hope that you know that. And this is how I tell them I want it done. I don't micromanage all the details, but I say, hey, these things have to happen. Here's the first one, that those kids have to have engaging praise and worship. Like, they gotta know what it means to get into God's presence. I'm gonna tell you one of the most wonderful days that I've ever had in my life was a uh, riding home from church and, and, or getting home from church, and Amanda, as soon as I got home, she said to me, hey, Ben said something cool in the car today. And I was like, what? He said, what? He, said he felt something at church. And I was like, really? And she's like, like, he's in the backseat of the car. He goes, I felt something in kid's life today. And she goes, what did you feel? And he just goes, that's his thing. He's done that a couple times. Like, I felt Jesus. In fact, he jumped up on the stage and was like, because some of the other kids were being crazy during praise and worship. He was like, no, I'm a, I'm a praise. He was leading his friends. I'm like, good job, buddy. He's gunning for my job. He asked me the other day, he's like, how much longer are you gonna do this? Because I want it. I'm like, you need to chill out, bro. I'm trying to get some retirement ready. And... Engaging in praise and worship, they've got to know, because when everything else in their life falls apart, they need to know they can go to the presence of God. Amen? All right, uh, We need to help them make friends at their grade level. We need to help them know what a healthy relationship looks like. Uh, consistent leaders and teachers in their classrooms. A couple years ago, we made a major shift to kids' life, and it was a risk. And we said to all of our leaders who are dream teamers, they're volunteers, we said, if you are going to serve in kids' life, that means you serve at least twice a month. We'd love it if you do it more. Because if a kid only sees you once a month, they can't build a relationship with you. So either you're all in or you're not. And we knew that might shrink the team. It didn't. It grew the team cuz people respond to God-honoring vision. Amen. So we want the, so here's the deal like, hey parents, as a church, we'll keep trying to do something for you, you got to do something for us. We'll try to keep it consistent, you got to be consistent. Try to get your kids to the same service as many weeks out of the year as you possibly can so that they can build friendships at their grade level. Have consistent connection with their leaders and teachers, memorizing God's word because we don't want to continue to feed that only three percent knowing the Bible number, and getting age-specific learning. So, uh, last weekend when I was preaching on Deborah, kids' life was talking about Deborah, which I don't even I don't know if they did that on purpose. I'd love to think that our team is that strategic. I think it was just a part of the series that they were in, and it happened that we talked about it on the same day, but. Um, But I could tell my son had some understanding about who Deborah was and what her life meant. It was pretty different from what I taught about. It was age specific. It was for the right age and grade level. And should the church continue to grow, if we were to ever invest in more kids' facilities, we would break the age groups up even more because a second grader learns differently from a fifth grader. Can I hear an amen? Come on, any educators in the room? All right, so we we wanna make sure we give them age-specific learning in those environments now I know some of you have teenagers and so you're like what about teenagers what about them uh, so teenagers don't get their own dedicated environment on Sunday morning because we want to be biblical in our model for teenagers so in the Bible in Jewish history in Jewish culture about 11 12 years old you started hanging out with adults you started doing what the adults did you were with them so That's why we have teenagers who are serving right now as Dream Teamers. They're in there, in those kids' environments, serving the next generation. They're already modeling every generation for the next generation. They got a blue T-shirt on and they're serving kids younger than them. Some of them are sitting behind cameras. Some of them are making sure the things show up on that screen at the right time, the lyrics. Some of them are doing the lights. There's teenagers doing the same stuff that adults do in our church. And I love that, everybody. Love it. Love it, love it. Love it. We also know they need a little time with just people their own age, which is why if you haven't signed your kids up for a motion conference yet, what are you doing? Like, get them there. They're gonna have an encounter with God. It's gonna change their lives. If you can't afford it, you come talk to me. We'll figure it out. Like a five, $600 investment for your kid to have that kind of encounter with God. I'll do that all day, every day. All right, I'll probably get in trouble for it with the board at the end of the year, but I'll do it anyway. Just, just, just we'll just get them there. Can I hear an amen? All right. So what about teenagers, when they get together, so we do have Sunday nights, teenagers get together, they usually start outside playing basketball or throwing water balloons at each other. Uh, This is what I tell our student leaders, you gotta teach them what it means to have authentic faith, engage, I went the wrong direction here. Authentic faith, spiritual priorities, moral boundaries, can I hear an amen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, until you guys do it, I'm just gonna keep going back to the slide. Authentic faith, spiritual priorities, moral boundaries. Okay, M- uh, meaningful friendships, so same thing. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Wise choices. <laughs> and putting others first, and giving honor to God-given authority. So like, you gotta know what it means to really follow Jesus. You can't have your mom and dad's faith, you gotta have your own. It's gotta be authentic. You need to develop some disciplines, just like Jesus. You need to have spiritual priorities. There there are moral boundaries. There is such a thing as truth. Can I hear an amen? You need to have meaningful friendships, make wise choices, put others first, and honor God-given authority. So that's the church's strategy for children and teenagers. Now let me give you a strategy you can use right now, today. It comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. So people are bringing their kids to Jesus. They're like, hey, it's Jesus, go say hi to Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, what's up? And the disciples started being like, hey, he's busy. Don't bother Jesus. Hey, get away from the rabbi. They're like, hey, no, 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 kids, get back. This is Jesus, it's Jesus. Leave him alone. Isn't that interesting how we kind of have that default sometime like with, with younger generations? We're like, hey, no, no, no. D- don't, don't get too close to the important stuff. I think it's so backwards, by the way. I want the next generation at the leadership table, I want them as close to the important stuff as we can possibly get them. So Jesus saw what they were doing and he became indignant. He got ticked off at the disciples. He's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you keeping the kids away from me? He says, let let the little children come to me. So I want you to have this, we gotta have an accurate picture of Jesus. Because most of us grow up with one of two pictures of Jesus. Either he's like just this sickly, weak, like, I'm just here to die for you. Or he's like this holy, floating around, like. That's not Jesus, y'all. Jesus was hanging out with his friends. He was cracking jokes he's messing with people kids are climbing on him they're laughing he's probably got lollipops and candy stuck down on the inside pockets of his robes you know he's probably like here you go buddy let me hook you up the kids loved Jesus come on can I hear an amen and and he loved the kids like they wanted to be close to him that's Jesus that's why when we built the kids wing here we wanted it to say something to children from the lobby So I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever stood in the lobby and thought to yourself, I wonder where the kids go? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? The biggest lettering, the biggest sign, the big glass with the playground behind it, that was all intentional. Because we wanted the church to say what Jesus would say, let them come, get close. I want kids to walk up to those glass doors and be like, this place was built for me it was come on y'all don't you feel that this morning Do you feel it one of my favorite things that happens every once in a while we'll see a kid crying and so myself or somebody from the team will come up and be like hey y'all okay is everything all right and they're crying and the parents will say this they'll go he he's fine he just doesn't want to leave and I say That's a win. Come on, y'all. That's a win. I don't want to leave church. And I want to say thank you to our kids' life team. You're a huge part of that. Even with the playground closed, kids didn't want to leave. They love it. I'm a, pa- you know, I'm a, I have, most pastors' kids don't like the church. They don't like it because it feels like they live in a fishbowl and they always have to be there and they're forced to be a part of things all the time. Our family's getting ready to, to do some travel and my kids are mad at me. I'm serious, they're mad. They're like, do we have to go? And we're like, why don't you wanna go? And they're like, because we don't wanna miss church. And, I, and Amanda and I are like, you know it's good for your parents to take a break, right? And they're like, yeah, but it's not good for us. <laughs> <laughs> to all of our Next Gens team, thank you. That's incredible, what a gift. What a gift. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he gathers them all. Hey, come here, kids. Come on. Get up here. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and everybody say the next two words, and bless bless them, bless them. And in the Greek, the word blessed literally means he began to speak words of purpose over their lives. It was his words. Hey, little dude, you're amazing. You're awesome. And I, like I know your mom and dad were fighting earlier today. Don't worry about that. You and me, we're good. We're friends. He just—you're going to be a leader someday. You're going to be a great business person. You're going to have a great family. He just—he's speaking words of purpose over the kids, and I want to help you with that today, because our words have power, don't they? They have power. So let's do what Jesus did. Let's gather the next generation and let's bless them. Amen? Let's bless them. I want you to try to do it today. I want you to try to find somebody younger than you. It could be your own kids if you want. And bless them, bless them with your words. Here's the first kind of words you can give them. Give them words of praise. Give them words of praise. Everybody give me your eyeballs. your kids already know what they're not they don't need us to remind them of that tell them who they are tell them who they are tell them who they are they they already know where they're deficient tell them who they are you're funny you're kind you're so generous be very careful that you don't celebrate the trophy at the baseball game more than you celebrate the wins in their character. I love the way you always tell the truth. I, I, I tell, my, my daughter Sarah, when she was in elementary school, I'd always tell, I, I love the way you notice the kid in the room that nobody else is talking to and you have compassion towards them. I love that about you. You're so much like Jesus when you do that. You see what I'm saying? You, you tell them who they are, words of praise. You're, you're amazing Proverbs twenty-five, eleven says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver the right word at the right time is more valuable than you can possibly imagine and every child is different every every person in the next generation is different I, I give both of my kids different kinds of praise because I know them it's a, it's a little different for each of them but the right word at the right time like like Ben and I don't think it's cuz his dad's a pastor. He's just a leader. Like there's just something in him. He's a, Sarah's a leader too, but in a different way and in, in a different she's not Ben's like Hey everybody. That's Ben. He's like just not not a shy bone in his body. So every day he gets out of the truck at school this this past year, "Hey buddy, you're a leader. Go lead well at school today." You got this, you're amazing. Tell them who they are. The right word at the right time. I tell Sarah, your, your creativity is off the charts. You're amazing. Mr. Jared, who's our tech arts director, he better keep getting better at his job or you're coming for it. I tell him all the time, you're coming. <laughs> Give him words of praise, amen? Give him words of thanksgiving. Bless the next generation with words of thanksgiving. Be thankful to them be thankful for them be thankful to them be thankful for them. model gratitude for them if you go out to a restaurant for lunch today when the server brings you your food say hey thank you why would I say thank you they're just doing their job because you're a follower of Jesus and you go above and beyond and you want to model this for your kids can I hear an amen just say thank you thank you Don't complain about your kids. Thank God for them. In fact, the more they're driving you crazy, thank God for them more. Because it'll keep your heart in check. It'll keep your heart in check. The Bible says, children are what? A gift from the Lord, and they're a reward from Him. Amen. Amen. They're a gift. Words of praise, words of thanksgiving, and give them words of affection. Words of affection, hey, love you, I love you, I love you. Some of us have a hard time with this because you didn't hear it much growing up. We had a, a, a guy in our church a couple of years ago and I'd say, hey dude, I love you. And he'd be like, oh, okay, thank you. Say it back. I do that now, I just mess with people. like I just like, we're not, we're not going any further in this relationship, because I know you love me back, so we're gonna figure this out. You're gonna learn how to say it back to me. I love you. Come on, everybody look at the person next to you right now, just practice, say, I love you. Some of you see some of y'all, like, I'm not doing that, you're crazy. No, no, Use give words, give words of affection, give them generously. Be generous with your affection. Be generous with your affection. I, I, I'll, my little boy, he, he's more of a quality time than a words, but I still tell him anyway. So I'm just like, hey dude, I love you. And he's like, daddy, you told me that like 400 times today. I said, well, it's gonna be 401. I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. By the way, the best father in the history of the universe did this. Matthew 3:16. If you wanna know what your kids need from you, look right here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. This is one of the only two places that we hear the heavenly father, we hear God the father speak to and about his son. It happens at the baptism and it happens at the transfiguration of Jesus. And he says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. You see that? He's mine. He's a part of my family. There's ownership. Whom I love. And with him, I'm well pleased. There's three things there, and I think every child needs these from their parents. You're a part of something. You belong to this family. You belong to us. We love you, and we're proud of you. We're proud to have you in this family. By the way, being proud of your kids doesn't mean you're proud of every decision they make. But I'm proud that you are my kid. Can I hear an amen this morning? This is how I feel about y'all as a church. We're family, you're you're mine, not in like a creepy way, but like, we're family, we belong to each other. I love you, probably more than you realize. But for some of you, this is probably the place you're loved more than any other place in your life. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud I get to pastor this church. I was driving out of here the other day and I said to my son, I said, buddy, I'd just done a team night with all of our worship and tech arts people. I said, buddy, your daddy is the luckiest man on the planet. He said, why? I said, because I get to be you, you and Sarah's dad, and I get to be married to your mommy, and I get to pastor this church. I have the best life ever. And the people in your life who are in the next generation need all three of these from you. Ownership, love, and I'm proud of you. Here's the last one. Give them words of encouragement, words of encouragement. Give them words of praise, words of thanksgiving. Give them affection. Give them words of encouragement. This is is harder for some of us than others, right? Some of us, because of the way we grew up, instead of saying, you got this, we say, suck it up. Can I just tell you that doesn't it doesn't help? It doesn't work. Anybody else grow up in the What are you crying? Stop that crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Anybody else ever hear that one? It doesn't work. Encouragement works. In fact, the Bible mandates it. Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up. So if it doesn't build you, I shouldn't say it. According to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. A little encouragement goes a long way, amen? I've got two more. Give them words of kindness. Proverbs 15:1. a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You can get a lot done with this one because nobody's nice anymore. Just be nice. Just be nice. Let your kids see you being nice. Be nice to the next generation. It's a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, by the way. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering. Be nice words of kindness here's the last one and it's the most important so if you only have to pick one today to work on pick this one speak words of prayer over the next generation hey y'all we're fighting for our families and the best place you can do battle is in prayer can I get an amen this morning this is where we do our battle and as I was studying and preparing this week, I felt like God gave me just this one little line, especially on the heels of, when I get back from some travel, I'm gonna talk about some family relationship stuff, like communication and marriage and some of that a little bit, because it's on my heart, because on the heels of COVID, marriages got stretched really badly. And but I felt like God just gave me this little word to give you today. Don't battle against your family, battle for your family battle for your family there's too much of this and it's probably the only time you'll ever hear me quote dr. Phil because I don't most of us when we fight we fight to be the winner I'm right you're wrong and this fight's gonna go on until you realize I'm right and you're wrong dr. Phil just I heard him say this one time he says hey you can be right or you can be happy which one you want Amanda and I fight but after 20 years I can tell you we don't fight to be the one who's right anymore we quickly get to a place where we go okay obviously we have a disagreement how do we get to a place where together we win and the family wins and we find our way there y'all tracking with me this morning Pray, pray for your family. Do battle where it counts the most. Don't battle with them, battle for them. Go to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. And when you're praying, pray God's destiny over their lives. This was like Jesus' baby dedication. So Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple and it says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. There it is again. He spoke words over Joseph and Mary. I just think that. Can you imagine doing Jesus' baby dedication? Hey, Joseph, Mary, you're going to raise God. No pressure. (laughs) Can you imagine? Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destiny. He's got destiny. He's got destiny so do you, so does every person in your life who's a part of a generation younger than you. So let's bless them. Amen? Let's bless them. I'm running a little late, so let's pray. I'd love it if you'd stand to your feet this morning and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just... Go to him right now, just say, Jesus, I need a relationship with you. Please save me. My life belongs to you from this moment on. I never want to have a time where we don't give you an opportunity to do that, but let us know on a connection card if you're making that decision today or if you need some help figuring out what that decision means. kind of been back and forth with how to close the services today. I told our team just be ready for either because I don't want to make it awkward for people but also I I just want to give you a chance to do battle where it matters most. So I'd love it if we could end our time today praying for the next generation. Normally we bring the band out here and we clap and sing one more time and we end on a high note, but kind of tight on time. And I'd love it if we could just end today by giving you an opportunity to sit in God's presence and do battle where it matters most. Pray. Pray for the next generation. If you got kids, pray for them. Pray for our next gen's team. Pray for the teachers in those rooms. Pray for our student ministry teams. Pray for the students that are serving in our church. Let's pray for the next generation. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And then we're just gonna kind of softly play some music here in the auditorium, and you can take five seconds or 15 minutes, whatever you wanna do. This will officially be our dismissal, and you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, whatever works for you just take a few minutes here if you would and let's just pray for our kids let's pray for the next generation those connection cards are available if you need to communicate with us they're in the seat pocket in front of you there's a digital version being posted online right now for those of you who are watching the live stream you can give in person and online as well if God puts it on your heart to do that so I'm gonna pray this is officially our dismissal this is how we're gonna end the service I'm gonna lead us in a little prayer and the guys are gonna just put on some music very, very softly, and this room's just gonna be a place of prayer. We're gonna pray for the next generation, and when you're ready to leave, you can leave, all right? Heavenly Father, we lift up the next generation to you. Would you help us to do our part? This house, this church, God. We want kids to feel about your house the way they felt about you. Let them come, just let them come. We want them excited to be with Jesus, to be close to Jesus. So help us to have wisdom, help us to create environments. Help us to teach in such a way that helps kids fall in love with you, fall in love with your house fall in love with your people. I pray for teenagers and students, God, the the sheer amount of stuff that's being put in front of them today that is just so out of alignment with your word. God, I just pray you would raise up a generation who are hungry for your word, who know your word, who know what you want, who know what truth is. God, I pray for boldness for them, Use them, God. Help them to know what your presence feels like. Help them to know when you're speaking to them. Give them a resolve to serve you with their whole hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are in the auditorium today who there's this topic of family and children and parenting, it brings about pain and regret and sorrow. God, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of those situations. That you help us to remember you've got it, God, you've got a plan. It's, it's, it's yours. You've got it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.